Welcome back to the Biohogs Weekly Recap. I'm your host, Will Kirkpatrick. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Um, so, what's going on this week in the world of Biohogs? Um, sorry, I'm just getting my computer all set up. Um, I kind of started recording a you know a little early in the in the. I usually have all this stuff opened, but I was I was uh, I was pretty pumped to get in here. Now, there's a few things I want to talk about before we get into power rankings and other things. Um, the fact that I'm starting Marcus Mariota in the year of our Lord 2022 in fantasy football this week is very funny. Um, you know, and so I got to thinking, I was looking at that Marcus Mariota thing and I was like, man, that's so funny, you know. Being from Tennessee, but not really being a Titans fan until the last couple of years, I've always had, you know, a passing interest in Marcus Mariota's, uh, I've always had a passing interest in his, in his career, but not necessarily an active interest because I didn't really pay attention to, uh, professional football in Nashville until the last few years when I was like, you know what, I should really pick a team and just stop watching, you know, I, I would just watch the lead with no real active interest uh, I would just be like, okay, yeah, I, I like watching football, so, you know, whatever. You all know my feelings about college football. I am a huge fan and a huge Tennessee fan, so I have an active, active interest there. But uh, being able to start Marcus Mariota this year is very funny. Um, it's it's kind of a silly thing that, that I'm just thinking about. And then I was like, well, I wonder, you know, I've made a lot of trades. I've made a lot of pickups this year because my team that I started off with was not very good. I was thinking, what... Do do I have the worst draft ever for this league? And I'm I didn't look at previous uh, years because I do that usually every year when I grade the worst drafts. And I think I gave myself and or Pete the worst draft last year, or maybe we tied because of percentage of players on our team that um, we drafted. And I think that's a pretty good way to look at it is like, you know, the percentage of players on your team that you draft at the end of the year. I have one player on my team that I drafted. I have, after the trade that just processed, uh, where I sent Mike Williams away, I now have Jonathan Taylor, and that is the only player on my team that I drafted at the beginning of the year. Javante Williams got injured. Russell Wilson played like shit. I ended up packaging Michael Pittman earlier in the year for A.J. Brown. Um, I have sent everyone away or dropped everyone on my team that I drafted besides one. Now, there's only one other team that has done the same thing in the last three years of this lead. And it is the physics imposters, Michael, who has one player on his team, Gerald Everett, that he drafted at the beginning of the year. We have two in one year. We have not had that. I think the lowest was, let me, you know what? I'm just going to, I'll take some, some time here. Let's look at the, let's look here at the 2021 rosters. Uh, can I not do that? I'm sure that I can. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2021 lead rosters. Um, the fewest amount... Yeah, nowhere close. The fewest amount was... Like four, five. That's still a decent amount, decent percentage of, of the team. Uh, if we go back to history and we look at the league office for 2020... Um, which this will be a little more complicated because there was a lot of COVID stuff that caused a lot of transactions. No, the least amount was like five, maybe six. Oh, Pete, you know what? Pete had three on his team that year. So we have two players, you know, two members of this league, me and Michael. And Michael has just really started a big fire sale because he's, you know, tired of losing the last couple of weeks. Uh, that we have one player on our team that we drafted. That's... That's a historically bad draft uh, for for us, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, Michael can turn it around and, and get a couple of pride wins, and hopefully, I can turn it around and maybe make it back to five hundred. I've got my fingers crossed for that, but it's just very funny. Like I, I was just thinking this year, I was like, man, I've made a lot of trades. Like if we look at the uh, you know at the transaction counter, if we look at this <laughs> transaction counter. I have traded nine times. Michael's traded five times. Uh, and then there's a drop-off to the next highest is three. Craig's traded three times. Connor's traded three times. James has traded twice. Uh, Charles has traded twice. And then Harry, uh, Jeremy, and Tim have traded once. With Eric and Peter, the only two... Oh, sorry, did I skip over Weston? Yeah, Weston's traded once as well. Eric and Peter are the only two that have not... Uh, had a trade this year, but um, by far the biggest tinkerers, um, the biggest tinkerer is me and James. Uh, James has 80 uh, activations. I have 71. Um, James has also been the most active on the IR. He has 13 IR activations to I'm the next highest with eight. And then that drops off to five and five a piece for Harry and Connor. Um, the acquisitions though, James and I still blow everybody out of the water. He has 62. I have 53. The next highest is 32 with uh, Jeremy and 28 with Pete. Um, the rest people have not been as active on the waiver, which is not an indictment on any success. I would say that uh, James has translated that into a lot of success, and I've translated that into a lot of losing. Um, but I just thought that was interesting. I was like, man, this has just been a very weird year. You know, like I had a terrible draft. I'm sure there was someone else who had a terrible draft. It was Michael. And, um, I have just been trading and trading and trading. And another thing that came into this, you know, thought process is I was like, yeah, this might be a good thing to open the show with before I did into power rankings and, uh, calling the hog and whatever and the pee pee poo poo head. Um, there has been three, there have been three trades vetoed this year. It's three, right? There was the James and the James trade that got vetoed, and there was the Connor trade that just got vetoed. Is that the only two? Actually, yeah, I think those are the only two. So there's been two trades vetoed. It, it, correct me if I'm wrong. But I think this brings uh, up a interesting point um, at this point in the year. And yes, I am one of the most active traders, as I have mentioned already. I kind of base uh, all my, you know, it, pretty much I've, I've let people know everybody that's traded with me, everybody that's talked to me about it before understands my favorite thing 
in fantasy football is trading. I know that, you know, yes, winning is the point of trading, but I like the deal. I like talking to people. I like working out and equal. It's fun. In Madden, I'm a madman. All I do all day is I'll start up a franchise with a random team and I'll just trade everybody. And I just, I like the transactionary uh, aspect of it is interesting to me. I don't know what it is, but it's one of my favorite things. Anybody who is in Dynasty League understands that I love trades. I, I've traded several, you know, I've traded my whole team away and back uh, in that league. And and I love doing it. And obviously you guys probably get a, you know, you get a lot of transaction requests from me and stuff. And, and that's all well and good. But the fact that we've had two vetoes this year and we've only had one in the past two years makes me think that maybe there's some people who don't understand the positional value of players. And so let me just like run through this real quick. Wide receiver two on a team. So we're talking team specific. So in this case, right, let's say, for example, you have the mummified corpse of Jarvis Landry versus um, Jalen Waddle. Let's just say, let's just compare these two. You know, the young 23, 24-year-old who is uh, a star wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. They're both wide receiver twos on their team. Um, Jarvis Landry is, you know, probably the wide receiver two for the Saints. Um, who have you know the aging uh, corpse of Andy Dalton slash the injured uh, Jameis Winston slash uh, a primary running 32-year-old quarterback in Taysom Hill versus the young up-and-coming league MVP level playing Tua, Tua on the other side. Uh, passing the ball to him. So you have these two players, and I have seen, you know, some people equate, like, let's say, like, oh, it's a wide receiver two on each team, so that should show you the value of them. The target share for each of these individuals, let's just go ahead and look. I'm just trying to, you know, I haven't even done it. Let's just look at targets, NFL. I'm just trying to go to targets, most targeted players. Let's get fantasy pros. Okay. So. The most targeted players in the NFL. Let's just look at this list real quick. So Tyree Kill is actually number one. That's interesting. He must be on a really high volume passing offense. Just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen spots down is Jalen Waddle, who has had seventy-five targets this year. That is seven point five targets per game. Now I don't see Jarvis Landry anywhere here. Let's see if I scroll down a little bit more. Um, I'm going down. I'm going down. I'm going down. Uh, oh, there's Marquez Callaway. Oh, well, Marquez Callaway's on this list before Jarvis. There's Jarvis Landry with 27 targets on the year. Now, people are going to say, well, Willie's only played five games out of 10 games. It's like, oh, well, that's a shame. Well, I bet his targets per game then are about as high. No, they're about 5.4. So he averages 5.4 targets per game versus 7.5 targets per game. Now, you know, we can say, oh, well, Will. Surely, uh, you know, if you were, let's say you were going to equate these two, right? Let's say that you were going to say, well, they're both the wide receiver two on their team, right? And I would say like, okay, let's look at quarterback. Let's look at record. Let's look at passing yards. Let's look at targets. Let's look at target share versus positional target share and whatever else. You know, yeah, sure. We, we can all argue all that. Okay, let's throw in another piece of the puzzle. Let's say you throw in a tight end. A tight end who's, you know, been playing good as of late. 
a tight end who, let's just say over the last three games, has 15 targets. That's pretty good. That's five targets a game, right? Five targets a game, that's not not bad whatsoever, right? Uh, but surely that would mean that this person had a bad tight end. Surely that would mean that this person had a tight end who's not averaging five targets a game. Oh, well, if the, oh, well, you know, let's say, for example, I'm just going to throw this out there, they have Dalton Schultz. Uh, Dalton Schultz, over the entire season, even though he's missed two games, is averaging 5.3 targets per game. Huh, well, that's just kind of, that's, that's kind of odd. So, what I would say is, you know, if you're throwing these two into a trade, if you're saying that you value positionally Jarvis Landry, let's say not as much as Jalen Waddle. Let's say that you you acquiesce that like okay yes it, he's not as good as Jalen Waddle, but if I throw in somebody else right who's going to get you these points, uh, surely this person who I am throwing it to doesn't have the they don't have you know the juice at tight end. I'm sure they don't have someone else on their bench who has also averaged over five targets per game. Someone, oh, let's see, what's a good, uh, someone like, uh, someone like uh, maybe Evan Ingram, who is, you know, maybe that person, if uh, maybe if they have no other people on their team, but what if they have someone like Evan Ingram on their bench, who's also averaging 5.1 targets per game in an up-and-coming offense? I would say, uh, hey, this trade is uneven. You cannot argue that the wide receiver two on the Saints and the wide receiver two on the 2022 Miami Dolphins is the same thing. And you cannot, or even the same thing, you can't, or I would have Jalen Waddle starting over Jarvis Landry 1,000 out of 1,000 times. And someone who has positional depth who has options at tight end, who are getting targets. And, and everybody will say, well, Will, what about production? What about production? What about production? What about recent production? What I would like to say to you is, how do you get production? What equals production? Targets. Targets equal production. The most targeted players are the ones who, on average, average the most stats. Who's the number one wide receiver in the lead? Tyree Kill. What is he? He is number one in targets. He's number one. Like, am I, am I, am I daft? The number two, the number two, or number three most targeted player is Stephon Diggs. And he is one target behind Justin Jefferson. Both of those guys are two and three in wide receivers. In tight ends, it's the same thing. The top-end guys get the most targets. They just do. And then everyone else, you know, if you're not Travis Kelsey or if this year, if you're not Zach Ertz or Tyler Hibby, if you're not Travis Kelsey, you're nobody. And that positional value is reduced. The positional value of tight ends is reduced this year past Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey could be, and, and we could argue Mark Andrews, even though he has had recent injury, and the recent injury has has taken that down. If you look at average targets per game, most targeted tight ends, he is averaging eight per game. So uh, Mark Andrews is right there, right? But we're saying below that, let's look at average tar- number of targets. We get a drop-off 
we go Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Tyler Higby, and then it's a drop off. It goes Mark, it goes Travis Kelsey at 9.3, Mark Andrews at 8.0, a drop off of a whole target to Tyler Higby, and then a more drop off to a pretty even playing field, a bunch of guys who have around, you know, six to 6.9 targets, and then it's a drop off again into the rest of the obscurity. Travis Kelsey is the number one tight end. The rest of the tight ends are essentially the same, except for Mark Andrews, who's been battling injury. So, do not tell me, do not try to argue that the wide receiver two on the Saints, plus the starting tight end for the up-and-coming, playing-better Bears, is equal to Jalen Waddle. The quote number two wide receiver on his team, but who has been playing like a wide receiver one. If we look at stat leaders and we go to wide receiver, then Jalen Waddle is the he's the sixth ranked wide receiver in the league. Do not try to make an argument that that trade is unfair. And this is purely hypothetical. If someone were to make that argument, then I would say the trade would be vetoed in about 0.5 seconds. And what I want to say to the person who accepted that trade is, hey, maybe look at what you have, okay? You have a top six wide receiver in the game. And you're about to give him away for the corpse, the decomposing corpse of Jarvis Landry. And an okay t- I like Colcomet. I have said a million times, I have him on my dynasty league. I like Colcomet fine. I like Pat Fryermuth more. Pat Fryermuth is my guy this year. He is like a top 12 tight end. He's not getting, you know, a ton of stuff because the Steelers aren't very good. But um, I like Colcomet. I am a big fan of Colcomet. Colcomet plus the corpse of Jarvis Landry does not equal the wide receiver six especially a wide receiver six who's like 23 years old. And I'm going to tell you right now, if Tyreek Hill got hurt, then I know Jalen Waddle would work his way up to a top four wide receiver, especially now that Cooper Cup is out, or a top three wide receiver. And if the number one wide receiver for the Saints were out, then Jarvis Landry would not get there. Oh, wait, their number one wide receiver is out, and he's not there because he's not good anymore. He's okay. He's a fine wide receiver to have on your NFL team, but he is not a good fantasy wide receiver. Do not try to make that argument to me. It is absolutely ridiculous. I have made trade after trade after trade after trade this year. None of them have been vetoed. Do you know why? Because I talk to the person. I send them a trade offer. I go, hey, is this fair? Do you think that this is good? Will this help both of us? They say, eh, I don't know. I send it again. And I say, well, I modified it. What do you think about this? And then a lot of times, 90, I, I, have ex- I have made nine trades this season. Do you know how many of them have been rejected? About 40. I have had a ton of trades rejected, and that is okay. It's completely okay. Do you know why? Because the other person in the party did not think it was fair. Or they were like, let's revisit this later. I have had several people say, I think your trade offer is fair. Let's revisit it later. And then you know what? Sometimes the trade happens. Sometimes it doesn't. But what I don't do is I don't complain. And I don't try to make an argument. And I don't try to sell two not great players for one top six positional player. A bona fide wide receiver one on a 
elite offense, and I don't try to combine two players and say, "Well, these guys are this is the wide receiver. This is this guy is a wide receiver two, and this guy he's not a wide receiver two. He's at most a wide receiver four, and maybe for the rest of the year he'll have wide receiver three slash flex numbers, and the tight end will be okay." He'll have weeks that are down, and he'll have weeks that are okay because that's every tight end that's not named Mark Andrews and not named Travis Kelsey. Every other tight end, it is a bloodbath. Weston, I don't know why you got rid of Mark Andrews. I don't know why you would do that. This whole rant has not been about you, but it is you. You are now entering the 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 rest of us, and you see what it's like. It's not good out here, and. <sighs> I've been on this, I, I got really, really angry yesterday and we we're all in the group chat. We all understand what's, what you know, whatever. But I was just sitting there like, I don't take this shit that seriously. I like to mess around. I like to joke around. I like to do whatever. I know I'm having a big, long, mad rant right now, but I'm not even actually angry. I just think that it's very funny. The logic games that you try to wrap your head around when you go, yeah, this is a fair trade because it's the wide receiver two on a shitty, shitty, a shitty passing offense. A shitty team, a not good team, a team that does not have the juice to do to, to, to support a top 12 wide receiver or a top 24 wide receiver. You cannot argue that Jarvis Landry is a top 24 wide receiver for the rest of the year. If Jarvis Landry from weeks 10 until to weeks uh, what, what's the last 17 is a top 24 wide receiver, I will on air eat a entire onion. If he is a top 24 wide receiver from this week on, I will eat an entire onion. And on, on this podcast, I'll take a video of it too, and I'll post it to the YouTube channel, and I'll tweet, and I'll put it in the uh, in the chat. I will eat an entire onion. I'm not saying a huge onion, but, a, but, a, but, a, but an onion. While I do the show, I'll eat a whole onion. And I'm not even saying, and I'm not saying Cole Komet's bad. Don't you, I've already said this, I know. But I'm not saying Tolkien Matt's bad. I'm saying Jarvis Landry. A throw-in piece uh, uh, that I, like, uh, like I've never seen. A, yeah, attach him to the end of a trade because you think, yeah, maybe this will bump it up a little bit because he's like a bench-wide receiver that you might pick up one week if you're desperate. You're not starting him as a flex play. So why would, well, hypothetically, <laughs> in theory, you're not starting him as a flex play. So why would you expect that someone else would want him over Jalen Waddle? And again, if someone hypothetically accepted that trade, I would I would really reconsider and I would really take a look at what you value on your fantasy team because if you value losing, that's how you lose. You take trades like that. If you value winning, you look for honest to God fair trades you say what's the positional value from here on out of this player and who can i combine him with to make my team better and what teams need what i am willing to sell i have looked for a quarterback all year because i had a shitty russell wilson and i picked up geno smith and geno smith has been great and i'm so thankful for geno smith's great season and you know if geno smith falls off at some point during this year i don't even blame him he's having an out of his mind season it, you know it, this is my fault for thinking russell wilson was good <laughs> me and the rest of the world right um and that pete carroll wasn't good like this is all you know ironic 
at the end of the day. But the fact of the matter is, is that I have not found someone who's willing to trade a top five quarterback for value that I'm not willing to give up. And so just accepting trades willy-nilly or sending things out willy-nilly because you're like, hey, maybe somebody will accept it, and then it gets vetoed, if you get angry at that, if you get mad at that, that's just you getting mad at the system. And I have been in support of some controversial trade. I think the only other veto we have ever had in this league, I was in full, I was fully against vetoing because I thought it was even. So I don't know. At the end of the day, you cannot argue that anybody outside the top two tight ends is worth adding to a shitty wide receiver three to four for a top six wide receiver who has no indication of getting any worse because they will continue to play the same way they have played, barring injury. All of this is barring injury, by the way. Everything that I say, because at the end of the day, if Jalen Waddle gets hurt tomorrow and he's out for the rest of the year, yes, Jarvis Landry will outscore him, but that doesn't mean anything. That means nothing. This is all hypothetical. If this were to happen, then I would say, wow, I would probably send a bunch of memes to a group chat. Now, I'm not even angry. I just think that this shit is really funny, and I like getting passionate about it. And I think it's even funnier when people react like that trade is equal. That is ridiculous. And deserves ridicule. If I sent out a trade and it got vetoed, you know what? James sent out a trade and it got vetoed because it was ridiculous. And you know what he said? He was like, yeah, dang, okay. Duh, shoot. And then he just went on. He moved on. Respect. Let's do power rankings. Biohogs power rankings. Hey, hey, hey. Your boy's not last. But we'll get to that. Number one, sitting at seven and three is Tim. Tim, for the, I think, fifth week in a row, is atop our power rankings. Looking fantastic. Uh, Just below him is James, also at seven and three. Number three is Jeremy, seven and three. These are the clear top three right now. They have been for a couple of weeks. And I don't see that slowing down. But we have an up-and-comer at four. Connor at 5-5 five and five has really had that late season resurgence that he needed. Connor's sitting pretty at 500 and now outscoring Peter is looking really, really good. I'm very, very uh, excited to see somebody who, you know, at the beginning of the year was just having a terrible year really pick it up and go. So, attaboy, Connor. This is awesome. Just above Peter, who is at 7-3. and three. So, yes, Peter has a better record, but he's hurt by uh, less points scored. Number six is Weston. Um, dropped one last week to, I don't know, he dropped one to somebody. I don't know what what player it was. I'll have to look at that later. Weston's now sitting at 500. Still a great shot for the playoffs. And then at seven, we have Eric sitting at five and five. 500. Eight is Craig, also 500. Got a lot of 500 going on uh, in this league. I love having this parity. Um, even, you know, the best record being seven and three. I don't know that that's been done. I'm pretty sure that... Uh, both years we've had two loss or less teams that make it to the end of the year. So really interesting year this year. It's kind of all starting to even out, looking pretty cool. And Charles has made his way out of the basement. He is at nine, right out of that 10 spot. He is at nine, three and seven, storing a little bit more points and looking really nice. 10, we have Michael, who has just really had bad luck this year. He is just above me 
at 11. I am 4 and 6. To Michael's 1 and 9. Michael has scored plenty of points. He is, uh, he, I think he's 7th in scoring, but 1 and 9 is not going to get it done. And uh, then there's me, and at the bottom is Harry, who is 4 and 6. Harry has just had some, some bad luck, not been storing a lot of points lately. Maybe he can turn that around. Uh, we'll see. But uh, that's your power rankings. We're going to look at MVP for this last week. So, uh, MVP for this last week, I had a few different options. But I ended up going with CD Lamb. Now, here's the thing. Yes, that's my player, whatever. He stored a really nice 39 points to propel me to a 22-point victory. So, if he has just a... You know, regular game scoring 10 points, I lose. That's just fact of the matter. I lose. I beat James, who's a very good team. And uh, I'm really, really uh, happy to have CeeDee Lamb and immediately <laughs> trade him away, unfortunately. I'll just uh, throw out a couple other guys who had a great week. Justin Jefferson had a fantastic week, 36.3 points. Had the catch of the year. Connor's team is looking really nice. His wide receiver one and wide receiver two are both the top two. Or no, they're both in the top three wide receivers. I think they're two and three in uh, fantasy. Looking great. And then another shout-out to Justin Fields for just absolutely having a monstrous 50-point outburst. Uh, I've got to play Pete this week, and I'm not looking forward to it because Justin Fields is absolutely on a tear, been running a lot. And let's just give a shout-out to a couple other people. Uh, let's, you know, uh, mention him jumping his way up to nine in the power rankings. Charles with the dub this last week over the two-time champion Weston. Looking absolutely fantastic. Storing in the, you know, mid, in the in the upper teens, but but having Aaron Jones go off is a really good sign for your squad moving forward. Actually inquired about a trade last week for Aaron Jones, and Charles was like, you know what, I think I'll need him this weekend. He ended up beating him by more than 24.6 points that Aaron Jones uh, that Aaron Jones put in there. But I just want to give a shout out to to Charles because I love seeing love seeing my guys succeed, especially you know my guys down here in the dregs. Um, so that was great. Also, Christian Kirk uh, had a good performance, but wasn't enough to overcome that Justin Fields, uh, Justin Fields outburst by Pete. And uh, yeah, so uh, MVP of the week, I'm going to say goes to C.D. Lamb. There wasn't just a ton of really close games this week. A lot of blowouts. There was an 11 point win, um, Jeremy over Tim. So we we would probably give the most valuable player. I mean, Patrick Mahomes stored 40, but you know I try to avoid quarterbacks. Amon Ross St. Brown at 23.1, looking pretty nice. And uh, I'm just really impressed by Connor's wide receiver room. I mean, Justin Jefferson and Stephon Diggs, you know, finally pulling off that Diggs trade was really, really nice for Connor. Uh, it's it's given him a high floor each week at his wide receiver position, which we all need because running backs have been so scarce lately. I, you know, I have won, uh, you know, the couple of games that I've won recently, I have with poor uh, outings for my running backs besides this last week where Jonathan Taylor had a really nice week finally. Uh, but yeah, but I'm going to go ahead and give that to CeeDee Lamb. He looked great this week. And now let's uh, let's look into our pee-pee poo-poo head. And now the pee-pee poo-poo head of the week. Pee-pee poo-poo head this week. Weston. Now listen, Weston. You've been accused of a lot of things. And I don't think all of them are true. You've been accused of not talking as much in the group chat after a loss. And while it was true earlier in the year, 
I do think you came around a little bit this week and you've been, uh, you know, you said, hey, what's the fewest points scored this year? And I think it was 68 by Harry or it was maybe 69 by me one week. 70.2. So you broke you broke that because Jalen Hurts had a 25.8 week. You didn't have anybody else go over the 20-point threshold and you ended up losing by 48 to Charles. You've, you're at 500, though. You're securely in a place to make a push for the playoffs, but, you know, it might be time to start rethinking your whole I'm just going to stick with the people I draft strategy. And maybe this comes to bite me in the ass. Maybe you rattle off you know, a few wins here, you end up making a playoff push, and you end up winning uh, it all again for the third year in a row. That might be true, but from what I've seen, losing to you know Charles's team, who has had a resurgence as of late, but other than that has not had uh, the best performances in the world, I would say that um, you're kind of looking a little bit. Uh, you're kind of you, you, you might you might be in a desperate spot. Your third highest score was Brandon Ayuk to twelve point four points. That's not great, you know. Charles outscored that with his tight end. Wide receivers this year have been very valuable. Uh, getting good wide receivers has been huge, and uh, and. I'm 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 very impressed by you zero RB guys like Connor who has climbed his way up. Now the thing is I will talk more favorably of Connor because he's at you know five and five after having a bad start to the year than I will Weston who had a good start to the year but has recently been trending downward mainly because you know you go with uh, you go with the recent the recent success over anything else but. Uh, this is uh, this is not looking great for Champ, but you know I've already called him for the hog this year once, and haven't I? I think so. I think I did. Yeah, whatever. If I didn't, I didn't. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's rough. It's rough out there for you, bud. And I'm sorry about that. Um, other people, like I said before, there wasn't like. There wasn't really a benching that was that would have really changed anything this last week. I honestly, Tim made the right call benching Josh Allen for Trevor Lawrence, and he ended up losing by eleven. But Trevor Lawrence outscored Josh Allen. That was a really, really astute call there. Um, he didn't really have another person on his bench do that well. Uh, technically, Brandon Cooks outstored Amari Cooper, but that wouldn't have done anything. Everything else was kind of just like big blowouts and not really close games. So there's not really two pee poo heads this week. I'll just stick it with, uh, with Weston. Although I would argue that anyone who leaves a group chat because of a vetoed trade is probably uh, up for candidacy and pee poo head. But I don't really know anybody who would have done that, so... Um, so I'm not really sure. Let's move on. Let's, uh, let's call the hog. Calling the hog. Oh, 
oh shit, you hear that? And there's a fucking hog on the loose. <laughs> That was that was good. I was I, I for a second I thought you were dying. Oh no, it's you know you can take or leave it. It's uh you know it's whatever you choose to listen to. That's that's fantastic. How you doing, buddy? Man, you know I could be doing better. I've been a little sick this week. Yeah, it's once in every three to five years I get sick, so it's great. You know I get sick a lot more than that. So uh, you I I would trade one big sick for a few small sicks. That's yeah, it is. Yeah, I gotta take the silver lining on it. I just hate when it happens. <laughs> All right, Pete, you went off. You had one hundred forty three point zero eight points. Usually, our highest our highest score of the week is uh, is around in the one forties to one fifties. So you hit that mark this week. How do you feel, man? Feels good. I feel like I've been knocking on the at least in the top five for scoring the last couple of weeks, which has been nice. Yeah couple times you know i guess like with any week it's like oh i could have played blah 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 instead of sitting blah 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 but you know it worked out this week and i'll take it yeah i mean uh you know ignoring ignoring week nine uh you you've had you know some some good scores the last few weeks so so i have uh i've taken notice of that and uh you got me this week how do you feel how you feel going up against uh going up against stole or co-commissioner I don't want a trap game, and it a might trap be game? a trap game. Hey, I'm game. four and six. Yeah, still. That's, that's not. That's not. You know. Your name is the Ruiners. Like I, that has trap game built into it. Yeah, it does. I'm the Appalachian <laughs> State of this league. <laughs> oh God. I, I, Michigan. I can oh. lose. I can lose to anybody, but I can also beat anybody. <laughs> I don't want to be Michigan. I don't want to be Texas A&M. You don't. You don't want to be almost Tennessee. It might, in 2016 we almost lost to Appalachian State at home. That's uh, true. On a Thursday, I was there. It sucked. So it was a thousand degrees. It was a oh, thurs. God. It was a Thursday afternoon, and we went to overtime. And Alvin oh. Kamara recovered a fumbled. Uh, a fumble from our quarterback in the end zone to to win the to win the game. That's uh, I guess walking off in style. Yeah, you could yeah. say <laughs> you could you could say that it was uh it was a very brutal game. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to say I'm Appalachian and say this league. The real story of your team has been you know yes you've you you drafted a bunch of up and comers a bunch of like maybe a little underrated guys who have really performed for you but Justin Fields. That man has been going fucking nuclear, dude. and I am here for it. Dude, he's so fast. And it's, he's deceptively fast. It's crazy. Who like, would I have didn't thought, think he was that fast, but who that would have thought for that, his life. that designing a offense around your good first-round quarterback would work? Where are you, Cliff? Where you at, Mr. Kingsbury, you yeah, fucking fraud? Yeah, you... I don't... Okay, so I have a take. This is a take that I've borrowed from other people who have a lot of takes. They hired exactly who they got in Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, I mean, he was a bad college coach. <laughs> yeah, he wasted my homes. He was a bad college coach. He's a bad NFL coach. Like, you know, yeah, the guy sucks. He's he's a jag, just but, another guy. But yeah, Justin Fields. He's been doing uh, Justin Fields passing. Maybe not as you know, not not exactly what you want to see. But if he's picking up all these yards on the ground, I don't know how you can you know. Shake the stick. Yeah, I'll just take them as I get them. Can't complain. Yeah. 
you know, I was an well, early rider on the Justin Fields train. I wanted to draft him last year. Ended up not performing as well as everybody would have liked, but he has really turned it on the second half of this year when their coach just decided to use him. I don't know. You know, you know what? Uh, I want to say I read that Eberflus said, like, yeah, we watched guys like you know Lamar Jackson and other mobile QBs and how they use them, and we're like, you know. We should design plays around that. It's a crazy concept in what's known as a quote-unquote copycat league, I've heard, of the NFL, that more athletic team, you know, athletic QB teams uh, don't do that because why, why the fuck not? I think, I think the thing is, is we keep hiring these old folkies. We keep hiring these, like, 2000— Cliff Kingsbury is a young turd. He sucks. Kingsbury's a young turd, but he does use he does a vertical passing attack with his quarterback, um, who has a rocket arm. So I can't like the scheme is not good because the plays aren't good. The scheme itself makes sense. It's just that you should be able to create with your legs as well as throw down the field. But Kingsbury doesn't design anything for that to happen. Eberflus no. Eberflus was like, "Hey, what if we just designed plays?" for scrambling so that he could improvise and now it's working and it's like yeah buddy that's yeah let your best players be put in a good position to create just let them you know as uh arthur smith once famously said we're gonna run the piss out of the ball we're gonna run and the piss out of the ball and he's, he's been doing it i'm a little concerned but yeah he's been doing it and a lot of those uh a lot of those runs have not gone to David Montgomery, one of my players. So this week we will be watching that game uh, going, oh, please, please. Da- I-, I will be saying, oh, please, man. please. It's going to be such a toss-up. Like, fuck. <laughs> It'll be like, I'll be doing, Justin Fields will start to scramble. And I'll go, no, 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 no. Please. I want oh, those it, yards. Take it, take it. I want those yards to go to Monty. <laughs> no. Y'all just lost, uh, I'll say y'all, the Bears just lost Khalil Herbert for a week, so that should give you a pretty big boost. Yeah, he's on IR now, so mm-hmm. we'll see We'll see what happens there. I am uh, just advertising this. I'm open to trading David Montgomery. If anybody wants a RB1, uh, hit me up. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I, ta- I actually ranted about positional scarcity earlier in this episode, which is something I'm sure you'll, you'll enjoy, Pete. Um, oh, yes. But you and I, we had an interesting conversation this week about collusion. Uh, <laughs> do you have anything that you'd like to say publicly about that? Yeah. Doing a rental trade, targeting for a one-week victory over someone just to screw them over and then trade the players back, sounds like collusion to me. Meeting up, playing and execution with another team to screw over one other team in particular. Not the whole league, but one team in particular. So, to me, sounds like an offshoot of collusion. So... I, um, I've had this conversation a couple of times with different people. I've had it with Connor. Connor and I are on the same side of this where I think it's fine as long as it's oh, a fair trade. Of that. Well, I mean, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> the way I look at things is like, okay, if I, so let's say for example, right. I, let's say I have Derrick Henry and, uh, and I have some, somebody on my bench, like a, uh, a Marquez Valdez Scantling, somebody who's you know not showing up every week, but like is consistently pretty good. It's just that like he's not, he's okay, okay. He's he's not good. He's a fill. He's not good. He's a fill-in wide receiver. He's he's out there. He's a fill-in wide receiver. If you're desperate, you throw him in your flex. Sure. He'll store a touchdown every now and then. Most of the times he won't. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm not saying he's good, but I'm saying Whatever, like let's right. say it's an it, example. I'm being a turd. Decent, decent depth guy to have on your bench, right? Just like you know, you could drop him, you could trade him, you know, you could throw him in somewhere. Let's say somebody really like whatever, and let's say you have positional scarcity at wide receiver, but you have several good running backs that doesn't exist this year. But let's just say you do, and another team who is playing a division, one of your division rivals, needs a running back. So you say to them, "Hey, I'll trade you Derrick Henry, and I will trade you Marquez Valdez Scantling for." Uh, uh, let me think of a good example here. Like uh, Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill, something. Yeah, Stephon Diggs or Stephon Diggs, somebody like that. You send the trade. I think everybody would agree. You know uh, that Derrick Henry plus Marcus Valdez Stantling for a Stephon Diggs type would be a pretty even trade. Yeah, top tier at each position. I'd yeah, top tier at each position. Like no, maybe somebody would be like, no, this guy's better. This guy's better. But you could make the yeah, argument yeah. That, that like everybody could see how that would be fair. Yeah, that's a fair trade. Week later, a trade gets accepted, and you look, and it's just Derrick Henry for uh, Stephon Diggs, whatever that wide receiver. What I argue is, all you have done is strategized using the standings in mind and using a trade like you could, and you have paid for that rental for a week to with a bench type, a Stantling type, a Lazard type, or whoever, and you've said hey, I want to help myself get to the playoffs as well as help this other team because that's what you do with trades is you're trying to help both teams. At least that's what I have in mind whenever I send a trade. Yeah, is, I try to have the same. So what I so what I argue in that case is that's not collusion to me is I send three shitty bench players for Justin Jefferson. Like that's that's collusion. That's saying, okay, you just want this team to succeed for the rest of the year. If you're helping yourself, then I say it's not collusion. Mm. Because you can make I, the argument with this anti-rental thing or this this idea of an anti, you know, this this stance against that every trade is collusion. Because you're just doing fair, you're doing what you want to do to move yourself up the standings. False equivalency, sir. There are needs that go season long if they're, you know, seizing in the injuries or things change where, you know, one guy gets traded like a James Robinson versus a Travis Etienne type thing. But my view on this is once again, it's a one, one week targeted attack against one other, uh, you know, manager player, whatever the fuck you want to say. Whereas when a non-rental trade, it's a season long commitment. And you don't but it's not. Do... I rented CD Lamb for a week. I just traded him to somebody else. So did you trade him back to who you got him from originally? No. So it's not a rental. I know, but what I'm saying is like... It, That's different. It, well, but I may as well have sent him back. No. To, if it was a fair trade, if it was him. a... What I say is if it's a fair trade, it doesn't matter who the parties are. I mean, it does. Because I don't think you, I I see that's that's where you and I will disagree is I don't I think as long as it is a fair trade when I look so this is what I do when I see a trade and I decide whether to veto or not and we've all heard my opinions on vetoes I have a very strong I think people should be allowed to be dumbasses uh stance no but whoa 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. barring 
complete unfairness. I have a yeah. I have a stance that people should be allowed to be an idiot and make trades that I don't think are good. As long, but if it's fair, it's fair. Like, oh, like for example, this is a great example. Yeah. I would not trade away Mark Andrews for the trade that Weston did earlier in the year. I would never do that because Mark Andrews is far and away the a top two tight end and in a land of scarcity. Um, yeah, but he was also injured. I don't care. Problem had some knee injuries, had what, missing weeks, but also had the bye week. But what I'm saying is, from know. my opinion, I thought that's a dumbass trade, but I thought it was fair. Yeah, yeah. So, so I didn't veto that, and I wouldn't because I thought it was fair. Right. If you trade a top six positional player for a top sixty plus a top twelve positional player, then I think that's that's a dumb trade that should be vetoed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, doesn't. Even I, I can't. No examples come to mind directly, but. Um. Like, for example, if you traded the wide receiver 6 for the wide receiver 65 plus the tight end uh, 7 or 8 in a land where tight ends that aren't named Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews don't really score more than 9 points a week, then I would say, whoa, I'm going to veto that because that is way unbalanced. Yeah, like what we saw yesterday, completely unbalanced. No, I don't know. I'm just uh, coming up with a hypothetical example here. Right, I'm just drawing lines. Right, I'm just saying hypothetical. Hypothetically, if that happened, I would veto that. Right, right, right. Right, right, right. Hypothetically. Purely hypothetical. Purely hypothetical. Especially if the one team had two tight ends that were, you know, of greater and or equal value. Yeah. 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 One could call that taking advantage. I would say that that is unfair to... I would say that that is unfair to the rest of the lead because it's an unfair trade. But I've shared my opinions on all of this in the first segment, which is way too long. So uh, you'll get to listen to that. All right. Do you have any parting wisdoms, parting words from the Kirkham by the book lead manager's office? Uh, Textbook definition of collusion, secret or illegal cooperation or conspiracy in order to deceive others. I take that as your one week rental targeted attack. I don't think that's a deception. Because if if any... the thing is, yeah, if anyone fair. asked, if I, let's say I make a rental trade and anyone asked me about it, I would say, yeah, I did that so that I could win and so that someone in my division could lose. Yeah, rentals are weird. That's I why, don't like it. that's why a lot of teams don't trade within division or they, or, you know, it's just like, it's like maybe they could get a fair thing from someone within their division, but you don't want that wide receiver to go off against you. All of a sudden you look terrible. I mean, yeah, but you trade out to anyone in the league and you could play them down the road, so... I mean, but I get the point. Oh, uh, I just gotta... Um, uh, sorry, I just had an email you and I... Was... You're in for a scare if I see a shit-sided trade like I saw yesterday. I have no muzzle. I have no filter. I'll call your ass out. I have no remorse. Get over yourselves. And don't be a big old baby and rage quit. You don't get your way. Okay. Hey. Thank you, Mr. Hogg. That's what I'm here for, baby. I thought... I'm the, I'm the heel of the league. I'm coming for all y'all. I thought I could maybe pass you up this week, uh, but A.J. Brown decided to catch one pass. So I was uh, pleasantly surprised by that. <laughs> yeah. Not going to lie. Very, very Hey, listen, I'll take, I'll take the win any, t- any way I can get it. 
True, uh, true. But, all right, buddy. Thanks, man. Of course, man. All right, Pete. He is the repeat hard. He's been the hard earlier this year. He's the hard now. Let's get to the news. News. News this week. Let's look at our league home. Let's go over to the waiver report. I'm going to look at the waiver report for Wednesday. We have Robbie Gould being added to the Physics Imposters. Commanders D being added to my team, the Ruiners. Greg Joseph added to the SMB holes. Michael Gallup to Miami Mind Flayer. Wow, this is a long one this week. We have Christian Watson being added to Najee by nature. Several people tried to add Christian Watson this week, and I don't blame you after that three-touchdown performance last week. Manic Pitch, the fantasy guy, added Jawan jo- uh, Johnson. Hot dog, hot dog, James Cook, the Buffalo running back. James, uh, the Holy Gaslighters, added Van Jefferson. Wedgetail Eagles looking at Greg Zerline. Kirker by the book, Darius Slayton. Then we had the Physics Impostors adding the Bengals D. Then we had me adding Marcus Mariota, my current starting uh, quarterback this week. Then we had Najee by Nature adding Brandon McManus. Holy Gaslighters adding Aaron Rodgers. And then Kirkham by the Book with the Patriots D this week. I'll look at Thursday's waiver claims. We looks like we had five waiver claims on Thursday as well. So Compton KDOT said is Charles added the Saints D. Manic Pixie Fantasy Guy added Wandale Robinson. A hot dog, hot dog added Daniel Carlson, the kicker for Las Vegas. And the Holy Gaslighters added the free agent wide receiver, Odell Beckham Jr. See if he can get Odell on one of these teams later in the year. And Kirkham by the book added Isaiah Likely in their tight end spot this week. Uh, quite a bit of trade news this week. We had three trades. One was vetoed. So if we take a look... Uh, I had two trades. I sent uh, Mike Williams and Robert Tanyan for Alan Lazard and Corb Daryl Patterson. That was for beefing up my running back room. And uh, I'm sad to see you go, Mike. I'm a big fan of Mike Williams. But I have depth at wide receiver and a need depth at running back. I had to drop Cam Akers for that. So he's available on waivers. It really makes me sad. I wanted Cam Akers. But... Uh, since Mike Williams was coming out of my IR slot, I had to drop a player, and um, I'm hoping to get Akers back, but we'll see. I also traded Kyron Williams, the presumed pass catching back for the Rams, C.D. Lamb, who was our MVP this week, and Jalen Warren for Tyler Lockett, DeAndre Swift, and Darnell Mooney sent that to Najee by nature. So the first trade there, that was to Harry uh, over in Ireland, so I sent my players to Ireland. He sent his players back. Craig sent me Tyler Lockett, DeAndre Swift, and Darnell Mooney. Um, Wheeling and dealing, that's my main goal. There was a trade vetoed. It got five vetoes within, I think, 40 minutes of being accepted. That was Cole Komet and Jarvis Landry for Jalen Waddell. Uh, and then it was vetoed by the league, uh, by the commissioner, because it was presumably going to get six votes for veto uh, any time within that two-day review time frame. So what we have this week, we uh, we have some we have some matchups. Uh, me versus Kirkham by the book. That's one of the lead leaders. I'm I'm pretty nervous about this game, especially since uh, my Seahawks are out. I just traded for Tyler Lockett too, and I was thinking like, oh yeah, this will be great. And then I realized that I traded for Tyler Lockett 
to put in my flex, and he is not playing this week, so I don't get my starting quarterback or one of my wide receivers that I really like. Uh, and uh, and Pete's at full strength, all except for Jamar Chase, who's on IR. We have um, Charles going up against Najee by nature. This should be a pretty close one. They're projected. Uh, Charles is projected at 115, and Najee by nature is projected at uh, 117. So this is a kind of a toss-up game. We'll see how these guys can do. Then we have James versus Harry. Uh, it looks like it's favoring Harry right now, but we'll see once they make lineup adjustments what all's going there. But Harry is actually favored by 11.4 uh, points, so not looking like a close game. Oh, my game was uh, Pete is favored by 6.1 points, uh, by the way. I didn't mention that. Um, this is all barring lineup adjustments, last-minute changes, things like that. This is all as of Thursday, 11-17-2022. Um, up next, we have Michael and Eric. Uh, Eric is favored by 9.8 points, and uh, and the 1 and 9 physics imposters are looking to get back uh, onto a streak. I'm pretty sure the only person he has beat this year is me in week two, so that's unfortunate. After that, we have a really big matchup. Hot dog, hot dog against the Wedge-Tailed Eagles. The Wedge-Tailed Eagles are currently projected to win by 117.9 points because someone took all of their players and put them on their bench. Hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, the Manic Pixie Fantasy guys and the Dalton Fart Center, uh, the, Afor, the formerly named Montgomery Flea Market, um, are matching up. Currently, the Dalton Fart Center are favored by a whopping margin of 15 points, uh, 14.9, I believe, to be exact. I'm sure that this will adjust as games go on and whatever else, but Josh Allen is likely leading most of that charge. He's projected at 31.59 points. He has been underperforming a little bit lately in real life and in fantasy, but I'm sure that Ramondre Stevenson and Austin Eckler can pick up the pace for the Manic Pixie Fantasy guys, and we'll see who can come out of that game victorious. It's really interesting this week. We've got a lot of people at 500, few people at four and six, um, and, and Charles worked in his way out of the three and seven hole. Uh, it's, it's really cool. I, I think this year has been kind of interesting. The second half of the year has been, there's been, you know, it hasn't really been about the haves and have nots lately. And I th- said that a couple of weeks ago in an episode, um, the second half of the year has been a lot more even. There's been a lot more toss up matches like, like normal that you see scoring has been on a turnaround. Uh, it's kind of getting back more to normal now, although we had, we really haven't had a lot of those like huge shootouts. I know that, um, Minnesota and Buffalo had a, had a high scoring game last week, but we haven't had like the really high uh, shootout games, like you know, like that Detroit game earlier in the year was the first one that comes to mind. I think it was Week One where it was, uh, you know, uh, the Eagles scored like forty points and they scored like thirty-eight or whatever. Uh, that's uh, that's that's not really happening anymore. Eagles taking the L on Monday Night Football. Really did not expect that. Uh, I guess um, the Commanders can win whenever on Monday Night Football whenever Kirk Cousins isn't their quarterback. But I'm reaching up to an hour on this episode, so I'm going to try to cut this off soon. I love you guys. It's been a great week. I know we've uh, we we had a kind of dramatic week in the group chat, but you know it's all in good fun. At the end of the day, this uh, isn't something to be taken seriously. It's something to be laughed about. Uh, I think that that can be missed sometimes, especially whenever you know, like I can go off on big rants like I did at the at the beginning and seem like I'm angry, but I'm not. I don't care that much. It's it's it, it's fun to care. It's fun to you know make fun of people. It's fun to talk shit, and that's what we're all here for. That's what we're all here for. 
And uh, I love you guys and looking forward to this coming week. And I'll see you soon.